Well, I'm so glad that all of you are here with us today. And uh, I wanted to do as I often do, and that is to uh, recognize our Teen Challenge uh, young ladies that are with us here today. We always love it when they're here. Will you put your hands together? Welcome our Teen Challenge girls. And then I just asked the director, I'm like, uh, of Teen, I just, it just dawned on me a moment ago. I'm like, all right, you know, part of our worship team and I can't always see real good, you know, when depending on the angle and where I'm standing or how dark it may be. And then it just hit me. One of our worship team members today was a Teen Challenge graduate uh, not too long ago. And I think that's a cool thing, don't you? I'm excited about the message today. I want you to be a happy person. But can I tell you more importantly, God wants you to be a happy person. Everybody I know that is honest wants to be happy just a lot of people that are not happy do not know how to become happy. And fortunately, we have a lot in the Bible that tells us how to do so. In fact, the book of Philippians, as I shared with you the first week of this series, this is now the fifth and final week. That first week, I shared with you that Philippians is a book about joy, about happiness. How often do you see rejoice or rejoicing again and again and again? And the reality is God wants you to be happy and how do you become a happy person? It's like, all right, I want to become happy. I just don't know how to do it. I'm a happy person. I want you to be happy. And so we've been talking about these principles right out of the Bible. And I think today is going to be exceedingly helpful to you. And I think it's going to make a lot of sense to you. Today is going to be a defining moment. For some of you, you've been waiting. You know, I, I want to be happy, but there's this chronic thing going on in my life. And I can't quite break out of that. And I believe many of you are going to break out of that today. It's going to be to, for you like today, the biblical key that helps you to unlock the door that God has for your own personal joy and happiness. And I'm excited to share that with you. Let me say this. If during this series you've missed a week, you were out of town or you were sick or whatever, then you can go to victorylakeland.org, go to the Victory Church Lakeside Village tab, and you can go there and you can download it on podcast, listen to it that way. You can listen to it online. You can watch it online. But I want to be sure that you're well equipped to have the things that are a part of your life that are going to make you happy. Now, this is a biggie. Uh, I'm not saying that we save the best for last, but I'll tell you, this one is crucially important. And I want, it's just really one verse that we're, we'll look at other verses, but one verse that we're primarily going to talk out of. And it's this verse you're going to see on the screen right now. And I want you to read it with me. In fact, I'm going to have you read it a couple of times. Let's all look at it together. Philippians, it's chapter two, verse 14. Everybody now, let's read it. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Think about that. Let that resonate with you for just a moment. In, in fact, before we read it again, you can go ahead and turn to somebody near you and say, that's, that's a verse for you. I think that is a verse for you. You can go ahead and, and let them know. That's, that's, that may be your life verse right there. Now, Paul wants you to know that. All right? Let's read it again. This very important verse. Everybody, you ready? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And that's a very, very challenging thing to do, some of you may say. Uh, how, do I, how do I live that? How do I become a person, a non-grumbling person? And so what I want to do, and you see the verse, it's still on the screen, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Before that verse goes away, I've got a question for you. Here's the question. How are you doing on this one? How are you doing on it? 
You doing okay on this one? Uh, maybe that is a question that I need to ask the people closest to you. Maybe you think, I'm not a grumbler. I'm not a complainer. And the person sitting next to you, the people that know you most, or your family or your friends would say, well, they just may be. But what if all of us decided today, all right? Here's the challenge. I want you to get this challenge. What if all of us decided today that beginning tomorrow, we were going to start living a grumble-free kind of life? That's my challenge to you. Starting tomorrow, you can choose today, and I want to give you a little break. In fact, here's what I want to do because I want to be gracious. I want to give you until midnight tonight to get all your grumbling out. Just get it out. Purge your system of all your grumbling and all of your negativity and all of your complaining. So, guys, if you need to go and stand into the, in the backyard to, today until about midnight tonight just so you can get it all out, you just do that. Now, I know a lady wouldn't want to stand in the backyard. She would want to go shopping. And so I, I'm sure there's other places, only two places I can think of in the moment you know, just sort of spontaneously are, are like Walmart and Steak and Shake. So you ladies, if you need to get that out, you know, just go walk the aisles of Walmart for a while and then go have a, go have a steak burger or a milkshake or something. But get it out of your system today because tomorrow I want you to say, you know what? I'm tired of grumbling. I'm tired of complaining all the time. I don't want to live the rest of my life. It is robbing me of the joy and the happiness that God wants me to have. Because listen, friends, you can't be joyful and happy and be grumbling and complaining at the same time. And I'll come back to that. But that's, that's not even going to happen. The two are so opposite. And so since we live out our lives one day at a time, that's all we can live them, let's take a few moments now and just grapple with Monday, tomorrow, and say, you know what? I'll get it all out of my system today, but come tomorrow, I'm going to be a new person with God's help. It's going to be the new beginning of a life, of a life without growling and a life without groaning and a life without grumbling, and I'm going to go for that kind of life. What did Paul say? Paul said it this way. He said, do everything. Listen, that's the key word, operative word. Do everything without grumbling. And you're like, everything? Everything? Yeah, everything. So you catch a break today, at least until midnight. But what kind of person are you going to be tomorrow if you're really going to go after a grumble-free, complaint-free kind of life? Well, that means it starts early on. That means it starts first thing in the morning when the alarm goes off. And I know some of you, some of you may have a tendency to groan and moan and complain a little bit when the alarm goes off. But let tomorrow morning be a new day. In fact, when you get up out of the bed and you go and stand in front of the mirror, do not grumble because all of us have the tend tendency to say, what happened? What is going on with me? And, 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 and don't, don't do that. Don't grumble there. Don't drive your car uh, with a grumbling attitude. How many of you know that if you're running a little bit behind and you're feeling in a little bit of anxiety about that, how many of you know uh, it just seems that any time that's going on, you happen to get behind the slowest person driving in the entire county? Now, I, I can't prove this. I don't have any legitimate research to be able to bear this out. So it's just a theory on my part. But my theory is simply this. I think some of the slowest drivers in the entire world happen to reside right here in Polk County. <laughs> and they always seem to get right in front of me when I need to get somewhere in a hurry. And so, you know, you, 
you got to do and I've got to do what I need to do. And they say, well, I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to complain about that. I do wish they'd get in the right lane, but enough about that. I, I want to just, you know, not grumble about that. And then you get to your job and you're saying, well, you know what? That's a place that would make anybody want to complain and grumble. But just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to join in on the course with the rest of the choir that is grumble and bellyache and complain. And when, you know, I'm coming home and I want to talk to somebody and my coverage with my cell phone is just a little bit spotty and I'm in an area and my phone call drops. I'm not going to complain. And when my computer at work is slow and when I get home and I'm tired and I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted from trying not to complain. All I want to do is sit down and watch TV. And when I find out the remote control is missing, I'm not even going to complain. You're going to know you're a new person when that begins to happen. But seriously, what if you just said, you know what, I'm tired of grumbling. I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of negativity. I want to be joyful. I want to be happy. Well, let me tell you, who's got to take personal responsibility for that? And it is you. It's you. You've got to take personal responsibility for your own happiness and joy. God's going to equip you with everything that you need. So let's talk about this for a little while this morning. What is grumbling anyhow? What is grumbling anyhow? You see, this is what I truly believe with all my heart, that at the root of grumbling is what we may want to refer to as a spirit of ingratitude, a spirit of ingratitude. And whenever ingratitude is found a, found a home in your life or in my life, it will prevent us from experiencing real joy. I want you to think about this for just a moment, all right? Think about this for just a moment. Do you know do you know a person that is a chronic complainer and is also happy? Do you know a person like that? Do you know somebody that is, that is grumbling all the time and they just happen to be more, one of the more joyful people that you know? You're not going to find that. You're not going to find that. In fact, if you ever happen to find a person like that, they're typically riding a unicorn at a unicorn farm. In other words, neither exists. And I hope I didn't mess that up for any kids. But the reality is, you're not going to find a happy complainer. They just don't exist. Do you also know that growing, uh, grumbling shows up very early in the Bible? It shows up early in the Bible. And you're like saying, well, you know, is this, you know, when Paul's talking about, hey, in everything, just make a conscious decision that you're not going to grumble. Is that like the first time it shows up in the Bible? And it is not. Grumbling shows up all the way back to the first portion of the Old Testament. And we're repeatedly told that the very people of God, that the Israelites continually complain and grumble even after God himself has delivered them out of the oppression and the injustice and the slavery of Egypt, though this has been their reality and the reality of their ancestors for some 400 years. And God leads them out miraculously. And it's not that far out of Egypt when they begin to grumble and complain. And this is a very, very serious matter to God. In fact, you may not have known Notice this before, but God takes ingratitude very seriously. Matter of fact, I want you to see what Paul says is always going to be present when people are not grateful toward God. I want you to look at this verse, Romans 121. I want you to look at this verse. What does it say? It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. They weren't grateful. They didn't thank God for who he is, but their thinking became as a result futile and their foolish hearts became darkened. And so it's a bad thing. And it's a serious thing to God to be a person that is ungrateful. 
what Paul says to believers living in Corinth. Now, we know what he says to those in, in Philippians. We saw that in the very beginning, chapter 2 and verse 14. We know what he saw to the believers living in Rome. We just saw that in Romans chapter 121. Now, I want you to see what he says to an entirely different group of believers living in a place called Corinth. And what he says to these believers is even more sobering than what we just read. I want you to look at this verse with me, everybody. Take a look at this verse. And do not grumble. And he's, and he's talking here about the Israelites. He's pointing all the way back to the Old Testament. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, when I see that, I want to say, okay, now God has my attention about this whole grumbling thing. I don't want to grumble. I don't want to complain. I choose to be happy. I choose to be joyful. I know that's what you want to be. But in order to do that, you're going to have to eradicate grumbling and complaining from your life. Be sure you get this now. Be sure you get this. This is very, very important because this morning we're talking about this very thing. It's great to be grateful. Gratitude is the antidote to grumbling and complaining. Let me say that again. Gratitude is the antidote to a grumbling and a complaining spirit. And I want us to be really, really honest with ourselves about this. And sometimes it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves, but I want you to really try your best to do this. At times we may feel that we have earned the very right to complain. You may feel like, well, I've earned the right to complain. Things are not going well in my life. I want this to happen and it's not happening. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grumble about it. I really wanted this to occur, this not to happen, and this that I didn't want to happen has happened, or this that I wanted to happen, you know, has not happened. So I've earned the right to grumble about that. We, we can have this attitude that says, you know what? Gratitude is actually a product of my circumstances. So as long as everything is going well in my life, I'm going to be grateful. But at the time when things are not going well in my life, I'm not going to be a very grateful person. If I can get everything exactly the way that I want it, when I want it, then I'm going to be happy and I'm not going to grumble and complain. But how many of you know life doesn't work that way? You don't always get exactly what you want in the moment when you want it. But a lot of people have that mindset. A lot of people say, well, you know what? I've got good right. I've earned the right to complain because I don't have that job that I, don't, uh, that I really want to have. Or I don't have the income level that I, I haven't got that promotion I want. You know, I don't have that boyfriend that I've got my eye on, that girl that I really have my, I don't have the car that I want, the toys, the house, the recognition, the popularity. I've earned the right to, you know, be ungrateful. I've earned the right to complain because I don't have in my life what I really want to have. Now, I want to stop all of that for just a moment and do a timeout because I've got a, a question I want to ask you. All right, you ready for this? What do you call a child who gets everything they want every time they ask for? What do you call that child? Spoiled. That is a spoiled child. Now, sometimes I've got to admit, sometimes it's also known as a grandchild, but that's a whole different topic. I mean, how does this all happen? I, uh, I'm, I'm a part of this group tats thing going on yesterday, and so I, I look, and I'm really busy, so I don't have much time to look, and so I'm, I'm sort of looking, but I've, I've got to keep working, and, and so I look down, and I see this picture, and it's a dolphin coming out of the water, and I see my daughter-in-law, and, and she's saying, hey, while we're on vacation this summer, because we always go to the same place, and near where we vacation is this place, and there's these kids looking, and a dolphin jumping out of the water, and I see it, and I thought, well, that, hey, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do that, and so I go back to work, and then I, I notice 
just this group text thing goes on. And then I look again, and now I'm paying more attention because what I look at next is now coming from Audrey, my daughter, and this is what she says to everybody, everybody. She says, yeah, let's do that. That would be great, and Dad will pay for all of it. <laughs> and now I'm really paying attention. I'm like, what? How did, how? I'm just, how did I get pulled into this? And I didn't do it. I had too much going on. But I wanted to text back and say, well, you know what? Uh, everybody is on their own except for Kinley, Landry, Brody. Th- those I'll take care of, my grandbabies. Every, you're, you know, you're going Dutch. Uh, of course, I didn't do that. But, you know, why do you call a child that has everything they want every time they ask it? You're right. What you said is true. Spoiled. But this is what I want you to know. God is much more interested in your growth and your maturity than he is you becoming a spoiled bre- 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 believer. You thought I was going to say brat, but I, just, I was going to say believer. God's dream for you is so much bigger and better than that. I want to take you back to Philippians for just a moment. There's some great verses. Look at these three verses. Picking up verse 14. This is what Paul is saying now. He said, do everything without complaining. We saw that, or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved uh, generation. In which, I love how Paul says this, in which you shine like the stars. You shine like, you know what, friends? The moment you just start saying, you know what? I'm tired of being a grumbler. I'm tired of being a complainer. I'm going to be a, a, a person with much more of a grateful attitude. You know, I, I'm not going to consider that I deserve this or I, everything I want, I've got to have it immediately. I'm not going to have the, When you start saying, I'm not going to grumble and complain and I'm going to have a spirit of gratitude, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be such a distinction in your life. You're going to stand apart from most everybody else. You're going to shine like the stars. Isn't that true? Because how many of you know it's easy to grumble? How many of you know it's easy to complain? It is. Some of you are professionals at it by now. But you're not going to shine like a star. Uh, You know, Paul said, you in this universe, you're going to hold out the word of life. There's going to be something so wonderful about your life. People are going to want to be attracted to that. Paul is not saying, though, this is important for us to consider. He is not just saying one thing and then in his own life doing something else. In fact, in many ways, the New Testament book of Philippians is actually a thank you note. It is this utter gratefulness that Paul has toward God, and yet it's a deep appreciation that he has for those who have provided financial support so that he he could continue in the ministry that God had called him to and gifted him to. So Paul is like in Philippians throughout it, actually, in this book of joy and rejoicing, saying, I thank my God. I'm so grateful. God has been so good to me, but I also want to turn to you, he said, and I want to thank you because I've had needs. And, and then, you know, you've come alongside of me so I could focus on what God had called me to do, to preach and to proclaim the gospel. And you have helped. And I just want to say thank you. And Philippians is, in many respects, a thank you note. In fact, I want you to check out what he says in chapter 4, the 8th part of verse 10, the first part. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. You're concerned about me. You're helping me, and I'm so grateful for that. Then he picks up from there, uh, and I want you to look at this very next verse. This, this is some, to me, of the best words in all of the New Testament book of Philippians. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be. This is a very important word if you want to get rid of complaining and, and uh, ingratitude and grumbling. He said, I've learned to be content. 
I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, not just when things are going good in my life. He said, I know what it is to be in need. I know that feeling, he says. And I also know what it is to have plenty. He said, I've learned, and it is, it's a great secret of being content, and there's so many benefits to being content. He said, I've learned the secret of it in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. He said, read this last part with me, last sentence. He said, I can do everything through him who does what? Gives me strength. Paul is letting us all in on a little secret, and the secret is this, contentment which is a close relative to gratitude, is actually a learned skill. It's not like you're, God's going to zap you with contentment overnight. You're not going to go to bed being a discontented person and wake up the next morning and all of a sudden be content. It is. What is Paul saying? He's saying it is a learned skill. It is about the person not maybe that you are, but the person that you can become. It is about having a renewed mindset, saying, you know what? I'm going to learn. That's what Paul said. I've learned the value of being content. God didn't zap me with it. I've learned the value of it. I've changed my mindset. I, I'm going to learn to be content. If I have a lot, I'm going to be content in that. If I've got less than a lot and I have a little, I'm going to be content in that. If things are going good in my life, I'm going to be content. If things are not going so good, I'm going to be content in that. I'm going to be a contented, grateful person because the alternative of that is to be unhappy and complaining and grumbling all the time. And I just choose not to live that kind of life. And God doesn't want you to live that kind of life. So out of that, I've got to ask you a very prevailing question, and the question is this. What is our gratitude and contentment plan? Because you've got to have a plan. You're not just going to become this mysteriously. You're going to have to say, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to develop a different mindset, a different attitude. I'm going to learn the secret of being content because a contented life is a happy life. Also strongly connected to gratitude is humility. And we need to talk about this. Because if you have an entitlement mentality, it's exceedingly difficult to be humble and grateful. In fact, entitlement just kills gratitude, which is certainly going to influence our joy, negatively speaking. In fact, one writer says it this way, and I'm going to quote this writer uh, verbatim and talking about, you know, I, I, I want it. This is what I want, and I get it. He, he writes this. He said, he said it this way. When I get it the first time, whatever it is I want, when I get it the first time, I'm grateful for it. When I get it the second time, I kind of take it for granted. When I get it the third time, I feel like I'm entitled to it. And isn't that true? I get it, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful but then I get it again, and I just sort of take it for granted. And then I get it again, and I'm like, I'm entitled to it. In fact, I get frustrated if, I, if it doesn't happen. In fact, this writer goes on to talk about how that we have much more than most people in the world, and yet we're less grateful for it. You think about that. I mean, that causes some conviction to move into my life. I would imagine it does the same for you, that we, among most people in the world, have the most to be grateful for, and yet we're less grateful than a lot of people who has very, very little. We just are. 
I was thinking about this recently. We, we don't even stop and pause oftentimes to just tell God how grateful we are or to just imagine that we could, we could live somewhere else rather than a blessed place. Not a perfect place, but a blessed place. I mean, if you took, think about this for just a moment. I don't know why this crazy thought came into my mind but, you know, earlier this week. But if you took most of the people of the world and said, hey, I want you to come with me. I want you to come with me. And you walked down. Listen, just the cereal aisle of the local grocery store. They'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? You got this many? I mean, they're, they're just hoping to have enough food for today and enough food for their family to get to tomorrow. And we, we walk in, and you know what? We can get Fruit Loops or Apple Jacks. Do they still make Fruit Loops or Apple Jacks, by the way? I'm just wondering. So I can get that or I can get Frosted Flakes, you know? I, I, I mean, and we have, and you just duplicate that again and again and again. And you know what? We have more than most people in all of the world, and yet we're less grateful for it. So if I want to experience a really joyful life, then I need to move. Listen now, this is really important. I need to move toward humility and gratitude and away from grumbling and complaining. Can I just tell you, I would imagine, I would imagine that by now, if, you, if you're a grumbler, if you're a chronic complainer, I would imagine by now, I at least hope so, that, that you're starting to get quite tired of that. Can I give you some insight, though? Even if you're not, the people around you are. You may not be, but I promise you they are. They're just, they're just tired of it. And I think deep down in your heart, although you're like, okay, what do I do? And that's what I'm trying to help you with today. What do I do? I'm tired of being that. I don't want to be a grumbler. I don't want to be a complainer. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I think I shared it here about five or six years ago. It's a story about a man who wanted to become a monk, and so he went to a monastery. The abbot told him, said, you know what? You can stay here, and we'd love to have you here, but there's just one really important rule. All students here in this monastery observe a vow of silence. And so here's what's going to happen. If you need to speak, you speak now because you're not going to be allowed to speak for 12 more years. And so he just says what he needs to say. And now he enters into 12 years of silence. After 12 long years, the day came when the student could say his one thing or ask his one question. They brought him in. And this is what he says. He has five words for him. This is what he says. 12 years now it's been since he spoke. He says only five words. He said, the bed is too hard. He kept going another 12 years. Another 12 years of discipline and meditation and silence. And finally, he's given the opportunity to speak once more. After another 12 years, this time he once again says only five words, but this time the words are different. This is what he says. He says, the food is not good. 12 more years, hard work, and he got to speak again. Here are his words after 36 years of practice now. He's been there 36 years, and it's not five words. Now it's down to just two. Here's his words. I quit. <laughs> and the abbot looked back at him and said, good. You've not done anything but complain since you got here. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> One of the great stories in the Bible involving a lesson in gratitude is actually the story of the ten lepers having an encounter with Jesus. I want you to listen carefully how this plays out. Many of you are familiar with the story. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. 
They stood at a distance and called out in loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. There's only two things a leper would say. Typically, it was like, unclean, unclean. But now they see Jesus. Have pity on us, they say. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. I love this next part. And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, they were healed dramatically, supernaturally, instantaneously while they're going to the priest to have him pronounced. They have leprosy no longer. This major miracle. Now, listen to what happens next. One of them, just one, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. In fact, he does more than say thank you, God. He actually, the next verse, verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And this guy was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, how many of you know Jesus asked always the best questions? Rhetorical questions. He was the master of rhetorical questions. And he asked, and he already knows the answer. Were there not 10 cleansed? Were there not 10? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this one, this foreigner, this guy from Samaria? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you healed. Now, listen. Here's a question. Do I believe that all 10 were grateful? I do. I really do. I believe that all 10 of them were grateful. How could they not be? I mean, they had been, like I mentioned, you know, this occasion, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have pity on us. We, we can't be around our families. We can't be in our homes. And for all the time that they've had leprosy, they would have to live their existence outside of the city. They would never have their same job. They would never go back into their home again. They would never share a meal with their family. They'd never get a hug from anybody associated with them. They would never share a meal with their kids or with their spouse, or with any of their friends. They would be ostracized from the community because there was this grandiose fear that if they had leprosy, then it would spread. Nobody wanted that kind of thing. And so now Jesus comes along and he heals all 10 of them. Do I think all 10 of them are grateful? I think all 10 of them are, but only one. And it brings up this reality. There is a huge distinction between feeling gratitude and expressing gratitude. You with me on that? You can feel gratitude all day long, but unless you express gratitude. In fact, Andy Stanley puts it this way. He says, the problem is this, that the people in your life experience unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. So even if you feel it and you don't express it, to them it just comes off as ingratitude. So the question for us this morning to really consider is this. Will we be more like the nine lepers or will we be most like the one? Will we slow down? And humble ourselves and take the time. When's the last time we've done that? I mean, you've got time. Many times it's behind that slow person. You're driving behind and you could take time. To just say, you know what, God? I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so much. In fact, can I ask you, when is the last time you've thanked God for food? Well, I'm entitled to food. I can basically buy the food I want, you know, for the most part when I want it. I'm entitled to it. I work hard. If you had that kind of attitude, you're never going to thank God for food. When's the last time you thank God for water? I mean, like pure drinking water. How about hot water? When is the last time you thank God for clothes? Well, I don't have enough clothes, or I don't have the clothes my friend had. If I had the friends, the clothes that my friends had, then I thank God, but I don't have their, so I'm, I'm going to grumble and complain until I get them. When's the last time you thank God for shelter, or for transportation, or the ability to think? or the ability to work, 
or for your family or for your friends? When's the last time you've thanked God for the Bible? I mean, just think about that. Do you know how blessed we are to have the cherished word of God right here in our hands? I've said this, and I don't get this grateful thing down all the time, but I can't tell you the number of times I prayed, God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you not only for entrusting your word to us, we've got it in printed form, but thank you for giving me the ability to be able to read it and not only to be able to read it, but for the most part, I can understand a lot of it, not everything, but I can understand a lot that is in there. And then in addition to that, I'm incredibly blessed because you give me the privilege to teach it, to try to help people. God, thank you for the Bible. God, thank you for church. You know how blessed we are to be able to come openly like this and worship. A lot of people in the world, if they were doing this, they couldn't do it. If they did it, they'd go underground in fear of persecution or even worse, to be thankful for the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Your body is a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. And when you need conviction, you feel that conviction. And listen, don't ever, don't ever regret feeling convicted. It is a good thing to be convicted. You know why it's a good thing to feel convicted? Because it means the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And he said, I'll live inside of you and I'll convict you, but I'll comfort you and I'll teach you and I'll guide you. When's the last time you thank God for sending Jesus? And Jesus pointed to the Holy Spirit and said, He's coming when I go back. Do everything, Paul says, without grumbling. Do everything without grumbling. Listen now to how he begins this letter. We've covered a lot in this time together, but I want you to go back to what is just the third verse into this letter. Philippians 1.3, it's not on the screen he says to the people who's writing to these believers in Philippi, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. I love the way. And it's really the pathway. If you want to be happy, you want to be truly joyful, then have not a grumbling or complaining spirit. Have this sense of humility and gratitude. And Paul's just saying, you know what? I'm thankful to God. God's been so good to me. You know, when things were going well in my life, I was grateful to God. I've been through some tough times, and Paul had been through many, many, many difficult things. And he said, but I'm going to thank God when it's good. I'm going to thank God when it's not so easy. I'm going to praise God. And then he said, you know what? I'm not only going to thank God, I'm going to thank you because I wouldn't be able to keep doing what I'm doing were it not for you. And in many respects, think about this now, in many respects, as I shared with you, Philippians, among many other things, it is a thank you note. It is a thank you letter from Paul to people. So here's a challenge I want to give you as we end. I want to give you some homework. I typically don't do that, but I want to give you a homework assignment, and I hope that all of you will take me up on it. I want you to think about somebody in your life that has had a positive influence on you, somebody that has been positive in your life. It may be a parent. It may be a mentor. Maybe a teacher, it could be a boss, it could be your spouse, it could be a friend or relative, but somebody that maybe you felt gratitude, but it's been unexpressed gratitude, which, you know, Stanley said it's true. It's just like ingratitude. So here's the challenge. I want you to sit down this week, and I want you to take out a pen and paper the best way that you can communicate, but I want you to put it on paper so that they can see it. You know, you write a letter or a note, the kind of letter or note that I'm about to mention to you, somebody does not read this kind of note, throw it out like junk mail. They'll hang on to it and they'll read it again and again and again. And I want you to think about a person like that. And I want you to sit down and I want you to write them a thank you note and a thank you letter or a thank you letter and let them know what you're grateful for. 
you know, I, I don't really have, and I'm going to wrap it up with this, I don't really have regrets in terms of, well, with mom or dad who's now passed away in the last couple of years, I don't really have a lot of regrets. I mean, wasn't I was a perfect son, but I mean, I just caused him all kind of problems, I'm sure. But I had a great relationship with my mom and dad, and I don't feel entitled. I feel blessed that that's true, and I understand a lot of people don't have that. If I do have one regret, it's not that I didn't say I love you because I said it every time I talked to him on the phone. Mom, I love you. Dad, I love you before I'd hang up. I just wish I'd thank them more specifically for the things that they did. My mom was the ultimate nurturer in so many different respects. Now, my dad was the ultimate disciplinarian, and I needed that, and I'm thankful for it. Maybe why I'm able to teach the Bible today, because he probably beat a lot of stuff out of me. But who is it in your life? It don't have to be your parent. Maybe your mom, Mother's Day, right? But it may not be your mom. Maybe one of these other people. Sit down and write them a note. Sit down and write them a letter. Just say, you know what? I want to be a joyful person. And joyful people are not complainers. Joyful people are not grumblers. Joyful people are humble. And joyful people are grateful. And you would say, you know, if I've got to get it out of my system in the next 11 hours and 54 minutes, I'll do it. Come midnight, I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to have a new attitude, a new mindset. And if you'll do that, friend, I'm telling you, God, I promise, will help you to become that kind of person. Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? So, God, we thank you today for being simply who you are, not just for what you do, although we're thankful for that. We praise you. You're a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness. You're a God of power. You're a God of supernatural activity. You're a God who heals. You're a God that saves. You're a God that delivers. You're a God that calls. You're a God that equips. You're a God that encourages. We thank you for who you are. There's people in our life, God, that has made a contribution to our life, that our life is better because we've brushed up against their life. Our life has been, been enhanced because of them. Help us to express gratitude this week. Help us to sit down even though all of us are very busy, and to write a letter of thanks to somebody that has made a difference in our life and help us every single day to give praise to the one that wants us to live a joyful kind of life. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you.